Welcome to the New Zealand China Council podcast. I'm Rachel Maidman, Executive Director of the Council, and today I'm looking forward to discussing an initiative that has the potential to change New Zealand's place in the world. Instead of being the last bus stop on the planet, we could be positioned in the middle of a global value chain connecting Asia to Latin America. In 2019, the Council convened a conference on the Southern Link. One of the recommendations was that a study be commissioned to quantify the economic benefits, challenges, New Zealand's advantages and the path forward. The study was commissioned and we have here today report author Chris Nixon, Principal Economist of NZIER, to discuss the findings. Chris is joined by Lionel Burt. Lionel is based in Singapore and is the Asia-Pacific head of Ascendia, an international mail joint venture between French La Poste and Swiss Post, with 25 offices globally and more than 1,500 employees worldwide. We also have Steve Jones, NZTE's Regional Director for Latin America, joining us from Brazil. And from New Zealand, Justin Watson, Christchurch Airport's Chief Aeronautical and Commercial Officer. We'll kick off today's discussions with Chris Nixon, who can provide an overview of the report's key findings. Chris, what did you find? Well, I think that the Southern Link is a trade route that links Asia and South America via New Zealand. It turns what is seemingly a distance challenge for New Zealand into a competitive opportunity. The notion of the Southern Link has been around for a while, but there are three reasons that provide excitement. The first of these is it puts New Zealand in the middle of a global value chain. Traditionally, we've been at the end of a global value chain, producers of raw materials. What we know is the closer you are to the consumer, the more opportunities there are for business. The Southern Link is also built on e-commerce trade, B2B, B2C, and that's generated by online platforms. A cross-border trade that hardly existed five years ago. E-commerce provides the opportunity to develop a sustained link with South America. This is a link which other trades and services can capitalize on. It also increases connectivity, which brings more opportunities. It will bring down barriers to trade and allow businesses to capitalize on the opportunities that previously didn't exist. Connectivity drives the value. The NZIER estimates that nearly $1.87 billion could be generated over 10 years. These benefits are mainly from the e-commerce trade, but there will be other also benefits from tourism, education exports, and business intermediaries. There are regulatory barriers to be overcome for e-commerce and challenges, particularly for tourism and education, but they're not insurmountable. Thanks, Chris. And you noted that aircraft have been flying the Southern Link for some time. And certainly pre-COVID, Air New Zealand was flying from Shanghai and connecting through to Buenos Aires. And LATAM Airlines was regularly flying from Auckland to Santiago. But we needed some changes such as better slot times and work on transit visas to really get that passenger connectivity going. In addition, just a few weeks prior to COVID, Ascendia began to trial the route for e-commerce, primarily using the LATAM connection. Lionel, Your staff have told me you masterminded the trial. Can you tell us what motivated you to establish this route? Well, the decision was um, coming from the uh, growing needs from Chinese sellers to be able to uh, reach uh, South American buyers. And uh, Ascendia, as you say, is a leading cross-border delivery supplier. We've been based in, in China 
for many, many years. And we've been able to find solutions for cross-border delivery to those uh, sellers, to multiple destinations, but mainly to Europe. Then we decided to expand our presence by opening facilities and, and subsidiaries in Oceania, including New Zealand. And so the reason for uh, our interest was obviously to serve Kiwi and Australian retailer and sellers who want to expand globally. But we thought also there is an opportunity to have this position in New Zealand, to use that as a hub for flows that have been growing over the past years, that have been growing uh, very significantly from China to South America. So we used to, uh, before COVID, to offer solutions for Brazil and, and some other Latin American markets, uh, mainly through Europe, because we're also based in Europe. So we have to reach South America, obviously, multiple choice from China. You can go through Europe, you can go through Middle East. Thanks, Lionel. So there are multiple options, primarily through Europe and the Middle East. So what was your reason for choosing New Zealand as an Oceania transit point? Well, the number one uh, reason is because you can have a, you could have access before COVID uh, to a solution which was satisfactory in terms of speed and in terms of cost. Uh, so we, we had a good alternative to what we can find in, in Europe and probably faster because it was a new route, so we could control better the quality of service through New Zealand just before COVID. And so that's the main reason why we wanted to offer that. I believe the number one uh, still factor that will continue after is the capabilities and the capacity, because it's a route which is, uh, which is a very, very high-growing trade lane in the world. So the number one expectation is the capability. Great. Uh, so then how has the situation changed following the onset of COVID and the cessation of those regular passenger flights from New Zealand through to Latin America? Before COVID and now is very different. And so now, obviously, the situation is, is extremely complicated. And for us now, what we have to look at is to see when it will be possible to restore capacity, when passenger flights will come again. So the of course, the, the sooner, the better. We will be more than happy to, to be able to offer that again. Or if it's not passenger flights, new route that would be coming because you could have companies that are creating uh, solutions that are seeing an opportunity and that are establishing this type of lane between China to South America. And we would be uh, more than interesting to participate to the loading of those planes to also offer that to uh, uh, for having additional capacity to the new fully booked cargo freighter that you can see now because of the COVID that was not existing prior to COVID. Thank you, that's really clear. And I'm just going to go to Justin now um, to explore this opportunity a little more. So what we have heard is that everything has been shaken up in this space. So previously we had, I think it's fair to say, underestimated the amount of freight that was being carried in the belly hold of those passenger aircrafts. Uh, and when we lost that capacity, it, it created a big issue. But now what we're seeing with COVID is that it has also created an opportunity. And we've seen that in New Zealand in terms of new players looking to enter the space. Um, Justin, have you just got something to add there around why this opportunity exists and what you're seeing from your perspective? Yeah, I think there's two main things at play as we emerge out of COVID. One is we've seen an acceleration into e-commerce uh, around the world. So what was already a growing um, part of the market is accelerated even further. So the requirements for e-commerce um, capacity will in continue to increase. On the airline side, as you point out, airlines historically have only really focused on the passenger part 
of their business. And the freight part usually makes up about 10% of the revenues. Through COVID, it's making up around 40 to 50% of the revenues. So as we come out of COVID, what you'll actually see is, yes, you'll see a swing back to passengers, but it won't be to the level it was. So freight will impact network decisions uh, where airlines deploy their aircraft more than it ever has. So the forecasts are that freight will sit at somewhere between 20 to 25% of an airline's revenue. And at that level, it starts to influence the deployment decisions for airlines rather than solely just the passenger flows. Thanks, Justin. We've heard previously from the airports that they are concerned that New Zealand will be left behind when the network grows back. What opportunity can you see here with a pathway like the Southern Link to mitigate some of those concerns? So there is a real risk that New Zealand will be left behind as the rest of the world is already opening up. Uh, and we, we have seen some airlines pull capacity out of New Zealand that was delivering freight and put that capacity onto passenger markets that are opening up around the world. And so the risk for New Zealand uh, is that we get left behind and we are out of sync with the airlines uh, network decision-making timetables. What the airlines need is timing and certainty on border reopenings, and they need to see a commitment from both industry and government around pathways out of this. And so the Southern Link opportunity would be one such pathway. So if you could bundle that with a reopening time frame for borders, along with a commitment from industry and government to work towards this opportunity and to do what is needed to make it so, that would en- enable airlines to start to plan and plan a different kind of future to what they've had in the past. The reality for airlines is, is their assets are really easy to redeploy and they redeploy them onto new routes and then those new routes get embedded and once they're embedded, they're quite hard to move. And so we've got this window of opportunity as a country to look to stand up something like the southern route because at the moment airlines are questioning where they go in the world. I'm just going to move on to Steve now. So Steve, you work with New Zealand companies every day of the week. How important is air freight and freight connectivity, particularly for SMEs? Thanks, Rachel. Um, Freight connectivity is super important for e-commerce buyers in Latin America. And all of the major e-commerce platforms are trying to drive down their delivery times. Those are the the Asian uh, originated e-commerce platforms plus the local uh, e-commerce platforms. So one thing I should probably mention is that there there is obviously a different combination of preferred platforms in each market. Some of those are uh, the likes of AliExpress or Alibaba and others are locally grown platforms such as Logis Americanas and Mercado Libre. They're all competing for market share and part of their competitive edge really is delivery time. So we are seeing the platforms here constantly driving to reduce lead times for customer purchases. Now, that's obviously a a very significant driver for fulfillment uh, providers. And uh, as we heard Lionel saying earlier, AliExpress has uh, flights coming into both to Sao Paulo, Guarulhos, and into Santiago via their logistics partner. And similarly, Logias Americanas has five 
flights a week coming into Brazil from Hong Kong. So there's already a significant freight flow from both AliExpress and uh, Lojas Americanas from Hong Kong into Brazil, probably, or I think we understand, via the U.S., Now, what's interesting to us, uh, and this is without understanding necessarily the complexities of the decisions that freight airlines have to make, is that the distance uh, between Hong Kong uh, and the Southern Cone via New Zealand is obviously the shortest geographical distance. And at some point that has to come into play. And we are particularly interested in what that might mean, therefore, for New Zealand exporters who have got high value perishable products that they might wish to be exporting to Latin America, particularly Chile, Argentina and Brazil. Obviously, we're looking as well at what our advantage is. And I think it's come through very clearly that we are the closest route for certain key markets. It's quicker to go through New Zealand than it is through other places. Justin, I'd just like to discuss with you a little bit about what are the other factors that go into these types of routes happening? Yes. So um, you've obviously mentioned speed and speed is really important. But also speed equates to cost usually. And so if if you're flying shorter distances, it's not costing you as much. And the new generation aircraft not only can fly further, but they're a lot more fuel efficient as well. So if you couple a shorter overall distance with a more fuel efficient aircraft, you're getting significant savings for the airline and the operation that will be able to be passed on through the value chain. And so we we see if you take, for example, Guangzhou to Santiago, flying over New Zealand is three to four hours faster than going over the Middle East or Europe, which is significant. That equates to about a 12 to 15 percent reduction in in fuel utilisation, which, again, is significant when it comes to the cost of those goods. So in addition to a straight cost benefit, what about um, congestion at airports, slot times, also the ability for our air traffic controllers, for example, to really actively manage those flights through the Southern Link? Does that make a difference? It absolutely does. So the lack of congestion, the availability of, of slots, because a number of the key hubs around the world are slot constrained. So it's really difficult to get aircraft through those points. You've got a modern infrastructure environment in New Zealand with no restrictions, effectively. So Christchurch, for example, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there's no curfew, there's no restrictions. So freight operators could operate right through the night. And the, the other point is where we sit, especially as it relates to Asia, at the bottom of the funnel. And so for airlines and freight consolidators, it's all about having as many pipes as they can feeding into, into one point. And so New Zealand is, is very well positioned to not only pull down from Asia, but also to pull across from Australia and be the bottom of the funnel, a number of pipes coming in that then feed back across to South America. The other part to that is we, we already have really, really strong existing capacity and routes from Asia and Australia into New Zealand. So you're not having to build up those. And so all of those those factors are appealing to airlines. Looking forward to the future of the potential opportunity, uh, Steve, would you just be able to explain why there has been this substantial growth in e-commerce from Latin America in particular and what opportunity that represents? Sure. So uh, the key factors that are driving Latin America's e-commerce boom 
are a combination of mobile connectivity and access to financial services. So um, over the last three years, 4G coverage in LATAM has increased from about 34% penetration to 51% penetration. So far more people now have access to 4G mobile technologies. And at the same time, uh, there's been huge growth in VC investment into the fintech sector in Latin America. So in Brazil, for instance, in 2017, there were about 60% of Brazilians had uh, formal bank accounts. Last year, that figure rose to 88%. Now, when you link that to COVID, what we're seeing is that a lot of the social spending that governments have released to lower income groups, the only way that people have been able to receive that is by entering the formal banking sector. They now have uh, accounts, they have the ability to purchase online, and they're often making small purchases, but it's generating growth in the e-commerce sector, which is, uh, I think, the second highest in the world and is set to continue to grow very rapidly. Thanks, Steve. So it's clear that e-commerce is exploding and the space is becoming more competitive. Lionel, your team has advised that when they trialled this hub, New Zealand took one week compared to four weeks via Paris. But are we going to have to respond even faster as we emerge from COVID? The connectivity and the frequency in New Zealand has been very good for us when we were pre-COVID. We were already facing issues into uh, Brazil and South America from Europe because of capability. So uh, with a good quality of service, I think this one week was good enough, but that was pre-COVID and before um, before the continuous explosion of demand from Latin American markets. So I think now uh, what we're looking for is even for the future, when we are going to be after COVID, a shorter time frame. And I think post-COVID, we will have to be facing a competition because of the growing market and the evolution of the needs of the, uh, of the sender, which will be even a bit probably faster than what we had before. And frequency and capability is going to be the, the key driver to be uh, able to... Uh, again, get customers from China, a marketplace consolidator, to use our services through Auckland to have uh, this type of time frame end-to-end, which will be in the 10 to 12 days for delivery from China to key cities in South America. And so, again, uh, this is to rebuild. So I, I think we want to rebuild as soon as we can. Uh, we are very excited to have opening capabilities, either by these freighter solutions that are not existing today or passenger flight, And because of the reason you explained, we will really look into that with very uh, high interest uh, when we can offer this route again to to the customer in China in this new timeframe, which is a bit shorter. Okay, so you're telling us that we need to be even quicker in the future uh, and that an opportunity is there. Pre-COVID, we did have the connectivity. Post-COVID, it sounds like our biggest challenge is going to be getting that connectivity back. But there is an opportunity as well with specialized startup freight companies um, that are actively looking at this opportunity through New Zealand. Correct. Yeah, well, the, the good thing as well because of the COVID is that you have had a much renewed interest in uh, business around air freight. So traditionally, air freight, especially through New Zealand, was most more like, uh, can we make a, a marginal additional revenue on the passenger flights? And, and now, because of the uh, disappearance of this, there has been a lot of uh, reorganizations for freighter 
and for startups now that are even considering that they can try to be specialized in specific lane that was not existing before. So that's the good thing for us because we think that this will continue because there is a sustaining demand, a growing demand that we forecast for the future. And we will have more choice and we can probably benefit from this wider choice because of the new uh, environment in the context of the air freight market with new players that are coming because they can see they can define a, a profitable business in the future that was not existing even pre-COVID. So in terms of our advantages, we've already talked about distance. We are the quickest for some routes. And in terms of ease of doing business, we're a great country to deal with. What gives us a competitive advantage? We've often heard that within the Oceania region, there's going to be one main primary hub. What would give us an advantage over our closest neighbor? I think the distance could play a role because it's going to be a little bit shorter. So maybe you can have an economy that can be passed to the customer using this air freight due to the shorter distance and less fuel. And I think also the efficiency of a freight organization in the airport is going to be critical to make the difference between the biggest neighbor because of the size and the flexibility of the organization in Auckland that could be better than in huge airport, bigger airport of Sydney, for example. And if I look in, into the model of uh, China around the world, for their movement, I was saying before, you know, they are now organizing uh, worldwide hubs in order to facilitate and accelerate the transportation of their goods from China to key markets of destination. And when they are selecting the airport hubs, they don't select necessarily the biggest airport in each region. They want to have the airport which has the flexibility to address their needs for freight transportation, to have consistent quality of service for the turnaround. To me, that would be an advantage that I would be expecting from Auckland Airport to be having really a focus on that specific area and making sure that there is less congestion and fast turnaround than in other airports that are much bigger and having a lot of um, passenger flights um, type of constraint that are existing and that are a bit uh, slowing down potentially the uh, the consistent uh, quality of service of the turnaround through the airport for the freight. So a degree of agility, I guess, uh, and nimbleness that New Zealand can represent. Um, just to the other guests, were there any other advantages, so for example, Chris, that you came across that could give us uh, a jump over our competitors? I think what, what's really fascinating about listening to participants today is that we have a product almost today, but we've also got a product tomorrow. And what that is, we're not quite sure. It's going to be quite dynamic and players are going to read the market as they come. And I think in terms of businesses, we're not quite sure what the offering will be. It could be a free trade zone, for example, where further transformation happens. It could be more services associated with a hub, accounting and legal services. And I think also there are linkages with South America, which are growing, including the transoceanic cable. And what that means for us is we can talk to both Asia and South America in business hours. And this has, I think, um, some advantages. So I think what Lionel has been saying is the trade is going to explode. And therefore, there's going to be opportunities which exist tomorrow, which do not exist today. And I think that's the clear message coming through here, the dynamic innovation arguments we're talking about. So I think that's, that's going to be important. 
That's fascinating, and I think that's really important because what um, we did start to hear when we first started really looking into this topic was, well, what's the point for New Zealand? How do we benefit from this? Aren't we just clipping the ticket along the way? But it would be great now just to get a sense of what those broader benefits could be to New Zealand. Uh, and I'm just going to turn to you now, Justin. You've got an extensive background in tourism. What do you see as being the opportunity there? Yeah, I think there's three or four wider benefits, one being tourism. Uh, New Zealand tourism needs to continue to diversify where its visitors come from, so it's not uh, overly reliant on certain markets. Brazil, especially as an emerging market, is opening up to the world, will travel more, is, would be a great source of new visitors to New Zealand. The other area is export education. New Zealand can position itself really well against the South American market in certain segments of it. You've got two flow-on opportunities there. And I think the third one I'd mentioned also is something Lionel mentioned earlier on, is New Zealand has an asymmetric import-export profile. So we export two-thirds and we import one-third. So for airlines, they often struggle to make uh, the business case with that dynamic going on at certain times of the year. And so if you're bringing in goods from China across New Zealand to South America, it should increase the overall capacity between Asia and New Zealand, which will have a flow-on benefit for New Zealand exporters, so more capacity to get our product up to uh, markets like China, but also it will help stimulate the Asian visitor markets as well, uh, because there'll be more choice and competition. And I know that one of the outcomes of your report, Chris, was exactly that in terms of we had a lot of empty containers coming to New Zealand in order to service our exporters. So they're coming over empty and then going out with our commodities. But what this is actually starting to do is those empty containers are being filled with e-commerce. Exactly. And I think this is the point that we are starting to grapple with here is we have a situation today where we're constrained by COVID and we're constrained by a number of other things. But tomorrow, as this trade increases, Individual businesses will be able to pinpoint the opportunities more accurately and what those opportunities are, as I said, whether that be a free trade zone or whether it be something else, some sort of a hybrid of those things. I, I know, for example, that government will be looking from direct proposals from business um, so that they can overcome any uh, regulatory issues. So there could be an opportunity whereby we, for example, get a commodity from Latin America, we could further transform it and actually add value, which is what we are so often trying to do, and then use our free trade agreements, for example, and our experience marketing and selling into the Asian markets um, to our advantage. Is there an opportunity with that? I think there's the opportunities both ways, not just with Asia, but also with South America. And I think that those are the things which increased connectivity bring. What those are, I'd be hesitant to say what they were, but with connectivity, what we know is that will generate trade. Steve, do you have anything to add on that point in terms of the broader benefits and how that could more broadly benefit New Zealand companies? So any increase in freight volume between New Zealand and Latin America has to be good for exporters if it gives them uh, additional flexibility or creates a price advantage for them. 
the trade agreement infrastructure is in place with CPTPP, uh, particularly with Chile and Peru. And as passenger flights return, the people-to-people connections uh, will only generate greater opportunities, um, both for tourism, but also for business travel into the region. Okay, and I think what we also need to look at in terms of moving forward, but in order to really maximise the link, what would we need to do and what government policy settings would need to change? Well, I think that, first of all, business needs to demonstrate that this is viable over a longer period of time. And it's a durable link that um, brings more connectivity. I think that's the first thing. And then they need to go to government with specific proposals about what needs to happen. And I think, and because of the demonstration effect, will give them more leverage in that respect and, and politicians will then take note about what they need and when they need it. So we're going to have to wait for business to actually show that it's a durable link and then the, the proposals will come. It will take a little bit of time. And, and of course, the complication is COVID. When do passenger airlines come back? All of these things will take a, a certain amount of time, but I think there is a pathway here. Interesting. And so, Justin, for you, your CEO, Malcolm Johns, has previously noted that we'd need to act quickly and that we would need to change policy settings. And if we didn't grasp the opportunities, others would. Can you explain? Yeah, I think um, global air networks and where airlines deploy their assets are, are highly competitive. And so airlines have significant choices as to where they send them. So the whole world is effectively in a competition to secure air services. And as the world reopens from COVID, uh, we risk being left behind. And so we have to move quickly and collectively as an industry and government to send the right signals to effectively say, we're up for this and this is what we're going to be doing to enable it. And this is the commitment we have from this country that will enable airlines who are considering this to actually start planning. To secure an international air service can take three to five years. So when you're sitting there with an opportunity that's got some roadblocks to it, then airlines will just look at it and go, well, there's other options for me. So it's all about clearing the pathway for them to uh, make an informed decision. Many thanks to our guests for taking the time to join us today, and also to our report sponsors, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade, the Latin America Cape, Ascendia, and Christchurch International Airport. For more podcasts, please check out our website, nzchinacouncil.org.nz, or follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.